Welcome to Misty Night, a podcast exploring the doubts and concerns that arise around Christianity. I'm Nick Petkoff. I'm Andy Yetter. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, we invite you to join us on this journey as we navigate the misty nights of doubt and uncertainty. Faith isn't about your ability to muster a belief out of nothing. It's our hope that through the process of exploring doubts, asking questions, and searching, you'll build a personal faith that is tangible and reliable. So let's take another step on that journey right now. Welcome to the Misty Night Podcast. I'm Andy Yetter, joined once again with my good friend Nick Petkoff. Today we are talking about the topic, the question, will heaven be boring? I think this is an interesting question because it really kind of cuts to the the core of, you know, hey, why am I, why do I even care about being a Christian? Like, what's in it for me? Uh, you know, as humans, sometimes we inherently have that little bit of a, a selfish desire, we'll say, but but even for people that have been Christians for a while, and for us, those of us that maybe consider ourselves a little bit more, you know, charitable and giving, there's still that question of, you know, what, what, what's in it for me? Why am I, like, what's at the end of the road? What am I doing all this for? And for some, the answer of heaven isn't, isn't as attractive as it should be, uh, because there's some perceptions of boredom. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's a real extension almost of, of the whole fire uh, insurance approach to, you know, what, what is the point of all this? And then you say like, oh, well, you know, it's a better alternative than potentially what else could be there in case I'm wrong. So, you know, better just jump on the train so I don't, you know, wind up in a pit of fire somewhere. And it's, it's kind of an extension of that. But hopefully by the end of this, kind of, you know, flip it to the other side. It's meant to be an exciting and encouraging and looking forward to thing, not just, uh, you know, keep myself from burning for all eternity or, you know, eh, it's better than being bored. Hey, it's not a stick in the eye. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was always a better alternative. <laughs> yeah. So, so as I was thinking about this, you know, I, I automatically came into to the, the mindset of, you know, value proposition first off. So when, when people think about why should I be a Christian and like, Hey, like what, what's heaven going to be like, you know, there's this like, well, yeah, like what, what is it going to be like and why does it matter? And maybe before we dive into any of that, it's important just to ask, like, where does this notion of heaven being boring come from? Because, you know, some people might, that might be a, uh, an unfamiliar concept or idea to them. I know for yeah. me, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, that makes total sense to me. And I used to think like this uh, really often. And I used to think like, I might as well make my heaven here because that sounds like actually worse. Sure, here I have, you know, people being mean or, you know, all the all the things wrong in the world, but I think I can make a better heaven for myself here. And so I think this is incredibly important to see the value of it. Like it's meant to like keep your eyes forward in the future and see something worth working toward. Quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the idea that the, the, the heaven is boring, the idea that, you know, the, the eternal afterlife is going to be a, a yawn fest. I think that comes from a couple things, you know, with the, with popular media sometimes showing, you know, people lounging in clouds, uh, you know, that might look a little nice to have a little warm, fuzzy feeling at the moment, but for sure that doesn't, that doesn't seem like that's going to be a, a great thing to do in perpetuity. Oh, absolutely. And I, you said it in pop culture. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the show, The Good Place. Have I've you watched that one? No. So it's, um, I'm not encouraging anyone to like go out and watch it, but you're up into sitcoms and more creative approaches to 
to um, why we do what we do. Um, it's a decent show in that end. Um, but anyway, the whole point I bring that up is um, it's a really popular media. And spoiler alert for those who haven't watched it yet, I'm going to spoil a little bit of the end for you. Um, near the end of the series, when they finally get to heaven, which was not the good place, um, actual heaven was past the good place, and they find that everyone was like essentially trapped. They're bored and like ill-content, and they actually want to leave heaven. <laughs> and so one of the protagonists basically gets this idea like, well, let's modify things a little bit and give a true final resting place. And basically their idea is basically create a last doorway that leads to nothing or annihilation, basically. So mm. once you've gotten bored and once you like you feel trapped and you're like, I can't do this anymore, that the final release is to actually not be trapped, but to finally disappear into nothingness. It's a really yeah. philosophical and creative approach that's, you know, got real kind of Marxist kind of ideas to it, but it's basically that kind of idea that we get that like that's almost seems as a worse fate than just not existing at all. Oh, and for sure. There it is right there in popular culture. And I think too, like maybe to maybe to just jump on top of that is like another way to right? like I think it doesn't take maybe not even like social media or the like popular shows or movies to to bring this up, you know, but because even when even when I was young and I was like eight years old, I had like an existential crisis because this idea of eternity just crippled me um the idea of living forever and ever and ever like i just couldn't wrap my head around it and it made me scared uh and so i don't think i don't think you need to even have popular culture for this concept of eternity being boring to crop up i think just people thinking about the nature of eternity and that kind of existentialism and that kind of like man like what what do i do forever <laughs> uh, like i think that's that's heavy stuff right so I think it's easy to, to understand maybe where some of these concerns come from. And especially when you layer on top of that, there's like biblical verses, right? To talk about praise never ceasing to God, you know? And it's like, wait, so we're just up there singing all the time, never ending, mm -hmm. you know? Well, that, ugh. So there's all of this, like, I can see where, based on where you're coming from, from the media, from the Bible, or just even just your reflections on the nature of existence itself. Uh, it's very easy to understand where this, this fear that eternity would be boring might come from. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Is it? I think as a child to have that kind of experience of being scared of, of you know, the endlessness of something is. I don't know if I had that as a kid. I was just too busy with video games and Hot Wheels, I guess. But, <laughs> and I wasn't even a Christian at that time. But yeah, I'm kind of wondering now: was that like something we care? Is it the same kind of fear that we have later on in life that we're just we're not so much worried about as eternity, but worried about an eternity of something specific? of anything specific even if we can think of the best experience we've had in our lives to this moment if that moment lasted for an eternity would we still want that yeah I, I think i think there's an element of control and or, or like just the unchangeable again like just the nature of existence so I, I so I, even though i had this when i was young i can guarantee you i had this issue all the way up until i was like in my 20s <laughs> um and it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I finally had some revelations that helped me frame it in a way that let me kind of put the issue to bed finally. Um, and that was kind of rooted in my Christian faith. And we'll talk about maybe some of these topics throughout this podcast, right? But from, I'll, maybe I'll cut to the chase just for my own story, which is when, when we think about the idea of like eternity and it being forever and there being a God that loves us and God made this heaven for us. So if, if you're already bought into that concept, 
which hopefully as you listen to this podcast will get you there. <laughs> um, but once you buy into that concept of there's a God who's all powerful, who's all knowing that loves you, it's like, do you think he's he's really kind of got that blind spot to eternity? Do you think he really doesn't understand that that like all oh, these guys aren't going to like being bored? Um, he's, he's got that final gotcha. Like, I hope you're here now. You're stuck. <laughs> yeah, like it's like don't just have faith. You know that the God who loves you, the God who sustains you, the God who's doing all these things for your good. He's not trying to set you up for a fall. Um, and it's one of those like we'll talk about kind of the mystery of heaven and the things we don't know as we go in this podcast uh, but that there's an element of just faith and leaning on god and i think as you grow in your faith with god and you learn to actually trust him i think it kind of gets rid of some of those concerns um so maybe, maybe not it wasn't so much for me at that time a logical like oh i know how it's going to be and i can therefore write out why i'm not going to be bored mm-hmm. but it was all about having this faith in my creator and to be saying you know what i don't i don't need to worry about this this doesn't need to be on my plate i can just live and enjoy and i will trust that god will have the best in for me and uh, keep me safe and whole and and keep me content i had a real one of those uh peace of god be all under all understanding kind of moments huh yeah <laughs> but it's again like these but these like from eight till i was like i don't know 25 26 right like this wasn't like a quick thing like i would have these like terrible moments i remember when i was really little i would be like freaking out and the way i would cope is i'd be like think about chucky e. cheeses think about chucky e. cheeses <laughs> like Heaven's i would try to just... <laughs> <Chuck> e. cheeses because <laughs> i'm like i just needed to think of something else that was happy that made me like for just get rid of this heavy thought and and i can only think that other people again like it's easy for people to kind of dismiss heaven and dismiss christianity because it does invite a lot of hard topics and hard questions that you have to face when you start kind of thinking about it seriously and so upon that note of thinking about it seriously and not thinking about eternity is in a welcome to heaven you're bored and now trapped what is it how can that be real it's just going to be boring how's it not going to be boring yeah and i think there's a lot of interesting things here i think it's fair to say that god doesn't go to great depths to give us everything spelled out verbatim what you can expect in the bible there's a bit of mystery present Mm. there but as we were just talking i don't think that necessarily means that you're not going to have a reason to have faith and things are going to be you know terrible like you're gonna have a reason to have hope an article that billy graham wrote like back in just before he passed away it was like a an open letter like or something to um I want to say it was like the LA Times. Uh, and he was basically answering this exact question. And he was basically saying, hey, someone asked it, someone was asking a question of, will I be bored in heaven? And, and Billy Graham was very much saying, you know, no, you will not be bored. And one of the reasons is there's going to be God <laughs> and God is infinite. And do you think you can explore the infinite <laughs> and be bored of the infinite? And, and I thought that was a very nice, succinct way to answer the question of, God's presence will be there, like God will be there, so, and God is infinite, therefore, there's going to be infinite things for you to be occupied by. Yeah, that is really, use a concise way to approach that. I think it also, um, I think it also might help too that with all this conversation we've had at this point, it still is really talking about something that seems very, so far off and not tangible, that it's just really hard to imagine um, what that will be like, and then to be able to convince yourself 
from this idea or image that you create in your head or you know from these kinds of talks that you listen to something you can imagine yourself actually being in and not being bored in it's it's hard to make that a more like realistic place you can imagine yourself being in and not some lofty idea yeah yeah because yeah like and i think this is what you were getting at before right it's like so what what really happens right like when you die what happens like what what is heaven like what is going to be like where am i going to be what am i going to be doing what's it going to be like um you know what what can i expect and and the right. bible does give us some some information and some hints but again it's not necessarily 100 percent descriptive Right. And this is probably a good point to, or a good time to bring in that, um, yeah, heaven is one of those areas that there's like not a ton of information we're able to like pull out of the Bible from. But there is some, and we'll get into it. I think it's a good point to make that the Bible doesn't really exist to like answer our theological questions necessarily. It's meant to tell us about what God is doing about the problem of sin and death in the world through Jesus. And if it happens to answer more than that, great. But we got to be careful to not make it say things it's not. And when you get into like really specific things like this, like trying to imagine what the afterlife is going to be, which isn't the main point a lot of the Bible's trying to make, we can really get into some trouble. And there's a lot of stuff out there that paints some really wild pictures of heaven and the beings there and stuff. It's just yeah. not <laughs> true. And so it's really important to not create unrealistic expectations either. Oh, for sure. And I think you'll find Christian literature too that kind of has a heyday with it, with different people giving like, oh, I died and I saw it and here's what it was like. And Ah, uh, yeah. And it's one of those kind of like eschatology too, right? Where it's, you know, end of the world kind of study. It's like, okay, at the end of the day, you know, you don't need to know it. You need, you need to, you need to have, know what the Bible's main claims are, you know, believe that and trust in that, you know, that the fact that heaven's going to be good, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you don't need to know the details. Uh, and so I, you know, in some ways you get, we get dismissive of it, but in other ways, Again, that's what kind of the reason why we're having this discussion in the first place, right? For people that are curious, like from a value proposition standpoint, of like, well, what's in it for? Like, why should I even care about heaven? And or or they dismiss the idea of Christianity because to them, the fact that a boring heaven is kind of almost con logically contradictive of there being like a God that can you know make all of His people happy. Uh, it's a, it's a topic worth addressing, uh, mm -hmm. and at least at least trying to glean what the what does the Bible say about it, and kind of what what kind of hope and what kind of reasons do we have to believe what we believe. Yeah, so we should probably get into what the Bible does say a little bit about what heaven, what heaven can be like. And um, I guess I'll start off, but um, I can start off maybe with a little bit more of like a, a cultural perspective of where this kind of comes from. I think it'll help frame a lot of what we're trying to describe is that um, the Old Testament authors in the Bible really try to see heaven and earth as kind of an overlapping thing. Right, like, okay, so Genesis 1, you got God made the heavens and the earth, but they get two ways of heaven being used. You have like the Old Testament heavens in the sky where the birds are, and then the same authors later will use heavens to refer to like God's dimension yeah. or space. And I think actually we're kind of lucky that today, um, like more recently in physics, relatively speaking, you know, most physicists agree that there are more dimensions of reality than we experience or even able to perceive. But um, generally we, believe that they are there, at least through the scientific standpoint. And we kind of tend to think heaven as God's space and then earth as ours. Like if we were to die now, you would move from this space to another space. But the authors of the Old Testament and their time, their culture, these overlapped. And you can see that even like with the tabernacle, the trees and the water that was incorporated there and the cherubim it was made to remind you kind of like 
mm-hmm. of God's space. And so it's important parallel to keep in mind that when talking about it in the Bible, that these weren't separate things. They were similar things, but you know, because things happen like sin and it creates kind of a schism and a split. It's not the way it's supposed to be, yeah. but that's what we're looking forward to. Is it coming back? Right. And restoring creation and our heaven will be here. So in a lot of ways, you can kind of look around you and see pieces of heaven. Would you agree, Andy? Cause you could look around in your space and see like some elements of heaven still left in creation. Yeah, I, th- I think there's elements of, you know, like, again, like, like we are all image bearers of God, right? Like, you know, it's not like God is sitting in heaven and he's over there and he's ignorant of what's right. happening here, right? God is ever, God is here. <laughs> so, right. um, so, so I think like to that, to a, to a degree, right? Like, yes, like we're already kind of in a place where God is at. And it's interesting you bring up the Old Testament, right? Because like you get things like, um, you know, like the tabernacle where God came and dwell like physically mm. in the tabernacle. Um, and then you have moments too, like Jacob's ladder, right? Where that, like when, like, you know, with, with um, oh yeah, seeing people, yeah. angels ascend up into heaven. So, so in the Old Testament, we see these examples of like heaven and like being a place where people went to or came from. Um, and and it's interesting when you think about this in the context of like, well, but I'm also not like you can understand where people get this idea now of heaven maybe being a distant place. At the same time, it's just you also have to understand each of those instances. Like, what's the, what's the reason for things being that way? Is it because heaven is like just another planet, right? That's off in the distant, um, or is it because these are things that are being shown to people in a way that they understand? I always like to think of like the example of like if things just appeared in front of you and disappeared instantaneously, that'd be pretty jarring, right? Um, mm. So. It is perhaps all of these kind of visions and things are meant not to necessarily be used as a as a way to describe how the earth interacts with heaven. Um, right. Take them with, I kind of just said at the beginning, right? Like that's not the point of what these books are trying to portray. Right. Um, but it's interesting that we, that's like, you know, we have that, we have these kind of mentions of it in the Bible. And that's maybe where some of these uh, incorrect interpretations stem from. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, there's the great examples of happening in a physical space. You know, like you said, um, Jacob's dream or Moses at the burning bush, um, those physical places where God is, or in the case of Eden, yeah, where God was. Um, but those, it's also important to note that, you know, there's a transition that happens in the new Testament as well. And that, um, Jesus as the temple is the embodiment of that overlap and, um, as, at least one of the questions I feel is like, so why isn't that happening anymore? Like, where's the tabernacle? Why isn't God in the tabernacle? You know, why mm-hmm. isn't that like, I mean, if you had like a Geiger counter in your head back then, maybe like when you got close <laughs> to these certain spaces, it's like, oh, God is here. Um, why doesn't it happen anymore? Why is that here? And Jesus is the answer to that one. Um, is he is, you know, the embodiment of that overlap. And what he's doing is returning creation to his original state, bringing heaven and earth back together. Um, but we can even read Jesus says, I think it's in, uh, later on in Matthew, where he says of the temple, like through sin and everything else, it's not God's home anymore due to the way it's been abused. And so there's a reason why we don't have, you know, those kinds of, um, not to downplay anyone's personal experiences at all, but that we don't, you know, see a burning tree down the side of the road that's talking to us. It's <laughs> a clear distinction that's happened then. And so we don't want to like, you know, try to say like, oh, you're just not seeing it or you're just missing it. Yeah. 
and there's lots of good Bible verses that I think that help clarify things. Like, like you said, like Second Corinthians five one. I just pulled up a, a list here on on my side monitor. But it's like, it's like, for we know that the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human mm. hands, right? So this kind of imagery of yeah, the earthly tent, right? Like that's like that's no more. We're like we're in a we're moving into a new uh, a new phase, <laughs> um, kind of with that with with Jesus ushered in. Right. I mean, even the last book says that too, right? Like Revelation conflates the idea of heaven and paradise. An author describes the vision of a new recreated heaven coming down to earth, coming to us. Exactly. And, and what's interesting with this whole concept, when you, when you read in the Bible about heaven coming down and there being a new heaven and a new earth, I think it does still leave a very significant amount of space for us to imagine how things could be different, right? Does a new Ooh. earth just mean under new management? <laughs> um, you know, like like when we talk about having new bodies, right? Like, is that just like my new my my body, but like with a new skin? <laughs> like uh, like to use video game parlance, right? Like to say like, hey, you know, I got my cool new angel wings on, and that's my new body. You know, or or it could be any number of things, right? So I I think it's really fascinating. You know, again, we get this promise about heaven coming down to earth and a new heaven and a new earth. And God doesn't tell us all the details. So I think we have room to hope and be wonder and awe. And we'll all be surprised, I'm sure, whatever actually ends up looking like exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Like, it's not meant to be seen as potentially boring, but to have an irresistible appeal. Like, some of that is left open to create that allure and that appeal to it. And, and I think maybe it's maybe worth just mentioning, you know, as we talk about this appeal and this wonder, uh, I think we also have to have this level of guarding our hearts and thoughts because it's very easy for us to project our desires again onto the bible and project it and like and just imagine things that we think it's going to be um and let that start to cement itself into our view of heaven versus you know going to the bible and getting a biblical view of it and, and i say that because i know people who they build up their hope in this notion and idea of a heaven where they just get to enjoy more earthly pleasures and they kind of strip away from heaven all of this enjoyment coming from being in the presence of God. And we have to just be careful, I think, that we don't lessen heaven by just expecting heaven to be, you know, this kind of like physically gratifying experience for us. Yeah, we want to be careful. Like I said, saying earlier, we got to be careful not to make the Bible say things. It's not. And even though it does leave some... I don't know, you can't say necessarily freedom for interpretation of what heaven will be like, but it's important not to conflate ideas that um, it says won't be there. And we actually get a better picture in the Bible of like what won't be in heaven than things that will be in heaven. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I think that's true. And we get some really cryptic things too, right? Where it's like, like in Revelations, there's talk of like twelve gates with twelve pearls, and it's like, is that is that real pearls? Is this just us? Like, is this figurative? Like, what's going on? Right? Or you like don't even have the language to like describe it really, so you're just you know taking your best stab at it. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's fascinating stuff. The other thing I want to talk about is just like you know, as we think about heaven and this dwelling place, because I think maybe it's also worth clarifying. You know, there's. There's lots of cool stuff that we hear about that give us like hope again, right? Like, and some of these are things that hopefully a lot of people have heard, but just notions like, you know, that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, right? Mm -hmm. That there'll be no more. There'll be uh, no more mourning, no crying, no pain. And and I want to I want to touch on this, right? Because these are some promises we get told. And for some people, we are so entrenched in how these are just such a fundamental part of our lives 
that we can't imagine a life without those things. Like, and, like, and that's again where this fear of boredom comes from, I feel like in some ways where we're like, well, if I'm not suffering and striving to do something and get out of this pit that I'm in, um, how, how can I not be bored? Mm. And it's, and it's one of the challenge. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think Easy it's one of those, like, yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those like almost laughable things where it's like, you know, and I think this is like, there's some interesting people I've read that have talked about like kind of uh, parallels between Adam and even the garden too, right? Where it's like in heaven, we're going to still be serving God. It's not like, it's not like, Hey, you hit like, like retirement, right? And you, Good job. Mm -hmm. You did it. High five, go kick back and relax. Mm -hmm. Um, we get to serve God. Like we get to serve God. And that's amazing. Uh, Don't worry. And, you'll still have things to do. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you know, we get to serve, but in a way where we're not going to be tired at the end of the day, where we're not going to be like, Oh, geez, you know, like, like this is amazing. And then we're going to get to have this God's, I'm going to go back to the Billy Graham article. Cause I love the way that he said it. Um, which is we will never grow tired of exploring the riches of his glory. And I just, I love that concept because that, that, that's what we should be looking forward to. Again, if our God is this omnipotent, all-knowing, all-loving, all-holy God, that's going to again just be this magnificent thing for us to stare upon. It's kind of like this, like that looking upon a, a sunset, right? Like, and you're just in this awe. And there's like this kind of this like agelessness or this uh, never getting tired of looking at these awe-inspiring sights. And it's just that, you know, I guess time is infinity. <laughs> it's important to know that like, even if somehow that doesn't sound appealing to you necessarily that we're going to undergo some pretty drastic changes to be able to do those things like infinitely appreciate god because we have an infinite capacity for joy that just keeps increasing and then increase our capacity further like we're going to change a lot too um you can read in like corinthians 15 that and this is a bit the cool stuff that will happen to us right your body's going to be stronger it's going to be fuller more spiritual more glorious everlasting your like knowledge your intellect all your affections can be renewed and restored and more powerful and like a perfect body and it's not just you know oh i'm gonna get the chiseled six abs or what like, we don't even know what physically we're gonna look like but we know intellectually and spiritually we're gonna grow in really crazy ways um, that we're meant to be and i also have quotes today too but mine's from um jonathan edwards and if you're really interested in like trying to paint more of a picture of what heaven would be like he's a fantastic resource for that his whole kind of like excerpt called heaven a world on love this is literally all he gets into what is heaven going to be like why should we find it irresistible and beautiful and great but i will say that was written like 300 years ago in the 1700s and it's kind of a tough read if you want to do the video <laughs> version sam storms google him on youtube also does a great approach to this and a much easier to you know to thing but all that to say um one thing that edwards says about our earthly soul and our new bodies is that we had only a little spark of divine love in it and heaven shall be as it were turned into a bright and ardent flame like the sun in its fullest brightness when it has no spot upon it and just like andy was saying you know with the pearly gates um a lot of its imagery to try to describe something so incredible and beautiful we just don't even really have the language to describe it yeah. well but he does a really good job at it so i'd recommend you go check that out if you can i really do think a lot of a lot of the older christians maybe it's because they weren't as distracted by media and stuff as we were uh, mm, or we are today point. but there's a lot of really like and I got, i'm a huge fan of a lot of those so that's fantastic and, and and to also maybe add on too if if this notion of heaven also doesn't appeal to you and you're a christian right if you're like i don't know this idea of worshiping god forever still doesn't sound great to me 
Um, this maybe pushes on some of our previous podcast topics, which is, you know, how, how big is your image of God, right? Like how, how are you, how do you view God and how's your relationship with God? Because I know as a young Christian, like when I was just starting my walk and I, and I kind of viewed really my life and even God's uh, spot in my life as being more about me and my earthly pleasure, mm -hmm. my, my goals, my plans. Um, yeah, that, that idea bothered me a lot. Like the idea of having this heaven with, like, I got to serve this God guy. Like I got stuff I want to do. <laughs> um, and as I've grown as a Christian though, and as I've taken, you know, less of me and more of him, that's really shifted. And it's filled my life with more richness as I look forward to this now. So, so I can understand that like some people listening to this might be like, I don't know, this still sounds a little bit weird. Like I don't want to be doing this all the time. I have other things I want to do. Um, I think that's also kind of a normal point to be at when we're early in our journey. And I think that is something that gets better as you continue to pour more into it and as you continue to put and ask God just to come into your life. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I think that's a place a lot of people find themselves and a good perspective of God really just changes so much. And for, for me personally, and I've heard the, the opposite too, is that um, how we understand heaven and God has usual locations for how we live our lives. And we don't want to think that, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. I got my fire insurance, so to speak. I've said to Jesus and I'm just going to live my life and do my thing because heaven's the other side. It doesn't really matter um, what I do. And um, that used to be the way that I thought was like, okay, cool. So now I can live the life I want to lead because it doesn't really matter because in the end it's all taken care of anyway. So I'm going to do what's best for me and not worry about the rest of it. And we as Christians can't say that. Like this world is not our home because in fact it is. Heaven's not meant to be an escape plan, right? It's, it's, a, it's a redemption plan. It's not our ticket out of the world. It's God's plan to restore and redeem everything. And so we are still very much making our home here. And we're not just, you know, shipping out of it. And that was something I had to really come to terms with too. And so, yeah, yeah. both sides of that coin can be kind of rough. Yeah. I, I, I'll leave one final comment that I, I was reading as I was doing research for this. And I, and I liked it. And I'll probably end up misreading this at some point because it's a little long and there's some round on sentences. But I, I want to quote it directly. This is from Randy Alcorn, which says, Our belief that heaven will be boring betrays a heresy that God is boring. And I think that we will see that for the lie it is when we realize that heaven is God's place and it's the person whose place it is that determines the nature of the place. If we're experiencing the invigorating stirrings of God's spirit and trusting him to daily fill our lives with divine appointments, experiencing the childlike delights of his gracious daily kindness to us, then we will know that God is exciting and heaven is exhilarating. People who love God crave his companionship. To be in his presence will be the very opposite of boredom. Who was that by again? Randy Alcorn, A-L-C-O-R-N. Okay. I will. I have not heard that. I really enjoyed that. That is a beautiful way to wrap up. Exactly. Thank you for that. <laughs> I I saw it. I, I was like, I'll save this for the end. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully this has been uh, a useful conversation. Again, the nature of heaven is inherently a little bit clouded in mystery, which I think is somewhat for our own good. Uh, I'm sure the more we knew about it, the more we would spend our earthly time fretting about things we don't need to. But it has been great talking about this with you, Nick, uh, and good getting your perspective on these things. Oh, thanks for listening. And as always, yeah, uh, connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. 
Yes, thank you very much again for listening to the Misty Night Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Misty Night. Want to join in on the conversation? Join our community on Facebook and let us know what you thought of the episode or what other questions or topics you'd like to hear us address. We want to work and grow together with you. So join us next time as we take the next steps on this journey to understanding in a world of questions. Thank you.